what I wanted to do tonight was talk a little bit about the uh, understanding the gifts. Uh, as most of you know, we've been on the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the last four weeks on Sunday morning. And some of the topics that we have recently studied was the Pentecostal movement, the Pentecostal movement. And as most of you know, we, it started in the 20th century, back I believe it was 1901 in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, a young lady there by the name of Agnes Osman, she was a young, she was a student in, in college, in school, and uh, they had been teaching on the baptism, and then she received the baptism, and she began to speak in tongues. Of course, this was new for anywhere in the United States. I think there was sporadic movements, but uh, she went several days, and she could not speak in any other language but Chinese. And then, of course, the great move out in Los Angeles at the Azusa Street Mission. And that is, if you want to read something interesting, read about that. And uh, William Seymour. It's very interesting because it's tied a lot to the North Carolina uh, area and the, the origin of the Pentecostal holiness, the Pentecostal free will Baptist, uh, the origin, uh, I guess, in Tennessee with the, uh, with the Church of God and then the Assemblies of God and all of these denominations, most of the, these denominations, four square, came out of this great movement. It was powerful. So we, we looked at the Pentecostal movement. Then we looked at the baptism, certainly, of the Holy Spirit and uh, I had a gentleman in the office yesterday, and he is from Greensboro. He was talking about he belonged to a certain denomination and uh, different than what we believe. And I began to tell him how that we believe that there is a uh, definite work of grace following salvation, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that scripturally you can't, in my opinion, you know, it doesn't matter who I've heard try to explain it. When they try to explain it, uh, they just fall all over themselves and stumble. And uh, I love Chuck Swindoll. And the guy just don't, he doesn't miss a beat. I like his teaching. He's one of the greatest orators ever. And I've heard him try to explain Acts 2. And he just just was not Chuck Swindoll. He just, just. But anyway, we believe that it's, it's, it's for us. It's, it is for us today. And it's for those that believe it's a gift of God to all believers, all believers. And uh, what we're to do, we're to believe God's word and receive this great experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit baptism. And uh, then we looked uh, at life-changing experiences I love this. I love this study where how it changed the disciples. It changed them immensely. They went from being scared and running and cursing and denying and all of those things to they really exercised faith and believed in God. It literally changed their life. And I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit will change our life. I want to say something that we do receive the Spirit of God when we're saved. 
I do not believe that we must be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. We, when we are saved, we receive the Spirit of God. We never receive any more the Spirit of God. And I don't, I'm being redundant because probably all of you have been here for the last several weeks and heard us talk about how important it was to be saved, receive the Spirit as a well. Jesus Christ talks about, John 4, how that it shall be a well of water. And then in John 7, 37 and 39 through 39, he talks about it being a river. So it goes from a well of salvation to a river of baptism. Very simple to, and John, John talked about this. So it's explained in several places how that a person is born again, receives the, the spirit of sonship. And if they would die or Jesus would come, they're going to heaven. They're not a less person because they've not received the baptism with speaking in tongues. And then, of course, we believe that there is, as I said, the, the outpouring and the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, the examples of the baptism are like that. The examples of the baptism. And we have five examples in the, in the book of Acts. And three of the examples, they spoke in tongues. Uh, one place, uh, Paul did, did not say when Ananias prayed for him that he spoke in tongues. But later on, Paul right into the church says, I speak in tongues more than you all. And then there was the other one where they did, did not say that they spoke in tongues, but Simon, the sorcerer, wanted to bide. He saw something. He saw some kind of manifestation of the Spirit of God. And then last week we looked at the, looked at the conditions of receiving the Holy Spirit. What, what must you and I do to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Number one, we must thirst and that is to cultivate a conscious hunger and thirst for God. I wonder how many of us hunger for the Lord today. I wonder how many Christians today really hunger and thirst for the things of, of the Lord. So we must thirst. And then number two, we must come to Christ. And that, that coming to Christ means to abandon ourselves, to surrender, to surrender all. I'll tell you how I sing, I surrender all. I sing it by faith. I'm not, I'm not too sure that I have surrendered all to the Lord. But we must abandon ourselves certainly to Jesus Christ, and then we must drink. So we must thirst, we must come, and then the Bible says uh, in John that we must drink the wholehearted reception into one's life, the operation of the Holy Spirit. Then number four, we must believe. We must believe we must exercise faith, and then we must be obedient to the Lord. Some great things. And then tonight, the gifts of the Godhead, 1 Corinthians. Let's, let's, let's get to read some. If you have a Bible, uh, I want you to help me to read. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Let's have some volunteers. You need to read it loud and clear when you read it. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. Okay. Larry, you almost had me going there for a moment. <laughs> Will you read it? Okay. We're going to read that in just a moment. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Okay. Don. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Romans 12, 3 through 8. 
Okay, Brother Dan, Romans 12, 3 through 8. Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. Okay, Judy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Let's see who, uh, who had 12, 4 through 6? Who had that? 12, 4 through 6. Okay, just reach on over there, Don, if you will. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. 7, 11. Okay. 1 Peter 4, 11. You do that? You're so sweet. 1 Corinthians, well, there's 12, 7 again. Uh, Carol, if you will, there's also verse 10. So it'll be 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Uh, Ephesians 4, 12, we've got that one. One more, Hebrews 2, 4. Hebrews 2, 4. Okay. Just one. Just Hebrews, just read it. Read it in English, if you will. Read it loud and clear. Okay, brother. <laughs> Ephesians, I mean Hebrews two and four. Now, let's talk about the gifts. And and this this really, I hope that that you would be willing to spend some time in in studying the gifts of the Spirit. Listen, I don't have to go into where this country is. I don't have to go into where the state of the church is today. We know. And, and, and you know, it's a sad commentary to look around and see what has and is happening in this culture to the church. And if there ever was a time we need the manifestation of the Spirit of God, it's today. And you know who he's, who he's going to move through? Right here. You faithful people, you spirit-filled people, that's who it is. First of all, you have the motivational gifts, and there are seven. Uh, and I don't have time to, listen, this is about a three-month study, okay? So I don't have time to go through all of these. But you can take this outline, and you can just, it's a great study. There are seven motivational gifts given by God the Father who energizes us. And uh, let me back up and punt. Let's read First Corinthians 14 and 1. Yeah. That verse is that look what look at me. It's this big. I mean it it covers follow after charity, love. He just talked about in chapter 13 love. Now he said you go after love. And the second thing he says, dude, brother Larry is desire Spiritual gifts. It's a famishing. It's a real heart-rending desire. And number three is, but rather that you prophesy. Three things he's saying there. Love, continue to love, desire spiritual gifts. But think about this. Think about this. Prophecy. And the 14th chapter deals a lot with the contrast between prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, my desire tonight is to help us not to be afraid or, or t- 
exercise timidity when it comes to the manifestation of the Spirit of God. Now, there is the tongues, the divers, dive, and I'll get, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to do it anyway. The divers kinds of tongues, many kinds of tongues that, that you speak privately, you're speaking in tongues. I am not sure we do that enough. There is something about speaking in tongues that really consoles, comforts, energizes, blesses the individual. I know it is powerful, especially when you've heard things, you've gone through things, and, and wow. I... Remember my mother, and I, I, I guess I can, can, can say this, how that she was going to a Baptist church, then she started going to a Pentecostal church, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she suffered at home at the hands of cruelty. And uh, there were often times when she, being mistreated and abused, she would speak in tongues. And I'm, I'm telling you, when the doctor has said, they, you know, you, you have a serious problem here with your physical body, and, and there's some, it means something. But it's not just when you're going through those times. It's, it's uplifting. It's edifying. It's encouraging. It's, oh, those diverse kinds of tongues. And then there is the tongues and interpretation of tongues. And we'll get more. But this is talking about motivational tongues. First Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Okay, now let's listen to what Don is saying. And what translation is that, Don? Yes, it's a good translation. And, and they use a, f- a little few little different words, but it's good. There are three things that he's saying here with this. There are different kinds of gifts. Number two, there are different kinds of service. Okay. And number three, there are different kinds of workings. Anyone else have another translation than that? What what does yours say? Okay. It's the same same thing. It doesn't change the meaning. Anyone have a translation that uses the word administration there? Okay, let read read your what what is your translation? It it doesn't matter. Just read it. Sounds a little bit like the New King James. I'm not sure, but it's it, that's a good. All of these translations don't, don't get me wrong are very good translations. Every one of them. I know some people don't like the NIV. The NIV is a great translation, and so. But, but I would encourage you to use different translations, three different kinds. But here, what he's talking about here <clears throat> are the motivational gifts. And I won't, who has Romans 12, 3 through 8? Okay. That is a good translation. And, and, and it, is, it is great. It is great. One of the good things about understanding the gifts is understanding Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 14 and Ephesians 5, 4, Ephesians 4. If you can understand the difference in the gifts and the ministries, not just the gifts, but the ministries in those three books and in those three texts, it is eye-opening. 
It helps to understand. And uh, boy, does it open up avenues of ministry and, 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 and blessings in your life. But that's the first one, is the motivational gifts. And uh, when a person is born again, they have a gift. Every person has a gift. You have a gift. God uses sometimes our temperament with that gift. Or he'll choose the gift to fit your and my temperament. If you've never studied the temperament of a person or of who you are, talk to Sister Carol. It is a great study on the four temperaments of a person's, of, of people. If you don't know why your kid does what he does and she does, find out. It's good. But he, but he inter, interwines these motivational gifts with your temperament. And it is good. I, I, I can't, I gotta, I gotta move on. Then you have the ministering gifts, Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. Now, folks, you don't, have, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know why the church is weak today, why the church is tossed, feeble, anemic. Because when Jesus rose, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, victoriously went back to the Father, he gave these gifts or these ministries to the church. And somehow... The devil has stolen much of this from the church. He's either had the church to go underboard or overboard. You have one group of folks, they don't believe in this. They don't believe in prophets and apostles. Many don't even believe in evangelists. They might believe in pastors and teachers. And then there are some that elevates these ministries to a certain height until the, until man gets the glory, until people get their eyes on personalities, and then it's lost. The church does not need to be tossed and driven and torn and ripped and defeated. It needs to walk in power, ability, and it can if these motivational gifts, if these ministering abilities, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers... You say, Pastor, are there prophets today? I, I, I don't know. Are there apostles today? I don't know. I know there are pastors and evangelists and teachers. And I believe that there are apostles and prophets. But I think it, that, that, that those two ministries have been so abused and misused until it's, it's, it's done damage. But I pray that God would, would help us to have apostles and prophets. We need them. And I'd like to have time to go through each one of them, but I don't. God grants and gives and energizes the church through the motivational gifts. Jesus grants, motivates, and administrates the gifts through the ministering gifts. And then the last one that I want to look at is the manifestational gifts. And these are supernatural abilities that God gives to the church. Before I go into any of these, I want, I want somebody to name all nine of them. Here we go. Bang. All right. We've got knowledge. Wait a minute. Now. I got I, 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 Yeah, you're, you're all right. 
you're confusing me, but you're all doing real good. <laughs> okay, I, Sister Carol said, shut up and tell us. No, she didn't say that way. <laughs> uh, you're right, and probably all, many of you could, 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 could give these. I'm, I'm here to tell you these nine gifts. And by the way, these nine gifts correspond with the fruit of the Spirit. So wonderfully. You know, God's smart, isn't he? Paul's smart writing 1 Corinthians and Galatians, isn't he? he? He's just, I'm just telling you, it's amazing. Okay, here we go. The gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, and the gift of discerning of spirits. Many of you would say we need the gift of discerning of spirits today. Mm-hmm. Then we have the gifts of miracles, the gift of healing, and the gift of faith. And then the other three, of course, is the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Those nine gifts. Does anyone have all nine gifts? I don't know. Uh, Somehow I doubt it. I think you can. Because when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and you're open, God can use you at that particular time. You know, he says, desire the best gift. What is the best gift? The gift that is needed at that time and you're obedient to God and he uses you and, and, and that gift operates in your life at that time. That's the best gift. And so we have these supernatural abilities. First Corinthians 12, seven through 11. Wow. I just love this, these scriptures on the gifts. Covet the best gift. Look at your notes. Best, and I just said this, but it says it even better than what I said it. Best might be defined as that gift or those gifts most suited to the given situation. What's needed right now? What's needed right now? Number two, gifts do not come automatically and should not be a passive matter of indifference. Can I sing that one? Play the piano I want to say, because you remember more what you sing. Gifts must be desired. Gifts must be prayed for. We will not passively sit around and God's going to just dump the gifts on us. And boy, I've got it tonight. We must pursue that. And number three, every spirit-filled believer is given some capacity for the manifestation of the spirit. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? The purpose of the gifts. The purpose of the gifts is not for some man or some woman to take, take the gift and utilize the gift to raise money. I ought to got at least one amen. I get so tired. Listen, my wife and I... Uh, it would be amazing what, what she and I have been exposed to. If I told you what, you know, we're old. Okay, I want you to know that if you don't know it, we are old. And we've been around a long time. And so we've seen a lot of stuff. And it is amazing what is going on in, in the Pentecostal realm with people utilizing, taking the gifts and utilizing it to build themselves up. And to build their own kingdom. That's not what the gifts are for. That's not what they're for. 
Notice what it says. To glorify God, to uplift the lordship of Christ. 1 Peter 4.11. That will knock the props out from under, under anybody that's got themselves built up on something. In all things, everything you do is to glorify God. To glorify God. The gifts are not to be utilized for you to have your own jet to fly around where you want to go. You know some of these cats, they have jets and they have four and five Rolls Royces and Mercedes. And we've got, we've got men in this city that, that you can't touch them. You can't get close to them. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are times. I know there are times. I need to be a little bit like that. I have my own guard now. I've, just, I've been here 47 years, and I've finally got my own guard, Dan Sedania. <laughs> if you want to get to me on Sunday morning, of course, I can't stay in my office. i got to get out and wander around and talk to people, and I just love people. I just... But I, I really, and I'm, I, we're laughing about that, but I really appreciate that. I know that. And I know if you're popular and if you pastor a large church, you've got to function and operate different than if you pastor 200 people. I know that. But many have taken it to the extreme. Utilize the gifts to raise money. And some of these guys raise Personally, $2 million a year for them, $3 million a year for them. Personally, I'm not talking about their ministry, $4 million a year to live on. Got this cat that comes on television. He's got more testimonies about people. He prayed for this one and she got $4,000. He prayed for this one and he got $400,000. And he's got He's got, a, he's got 40 testimonies of him praying for people. And everybody he prayed for got. <laughs> it's amazing. Let me get on. That's my little kick and I need to get away from that because it's not edifying. Help me, Lord. <laughs> I, you know, I. What did he say? <laughs> What is his name? I'm trying to think. I tell it. You don't know who it is. No, it's not him. He's another crook. Uh, let's see. <laughs> it's not Angeli. It's uh, anyway. It doesn't matter. But it, it, it listen. It, and it is it is comical somewhat. But it is a shame and disgrace because that is what hurt has hurt the real. It is what has hurt the real. Listen, I believe in prosperity. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things. And if you've got a Rolls Royce, you're not a, necessarily a bad person. But uh, let me move on. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Uh, the purpose is, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. I don't think I gave that to anybody. But we read it a while ago. It's, it's given to profit. Number three, minister to, to another, 1 Corinthians 4.10. 1 
I'm sorry, my wife, my, 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 my fault. My wife, Sister Carol's going to read that. First Peter 4.10. And then next I'll come to Ephesians 4.12 and then next Hebrews 2.4. 1 Peter 4.10. That's one of the main purposes of the gift is that we might minister to one another. To touch other people's lives. To reach out and encourage someone. Edify someone. Build them up. The church needs, you know, one of the things, and I'm not going to get to everything here tonight because I'm soon closing. I'm, I'm going to have to stop. But one of the things that concerns me is that these writers that talk about that tongues is not for today, they said, oh, this kind of tongue is just to build up someone. But God in heaven knows we need building up. We need edifying. And there's nothing like going in prayer and getting down before God and praying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to move and you start speaking in tongues. Man, it's lifting up. And it's okay to be lifted up. We need that. We need that. He, let's look at Ephesians 4.12. That's why it is. We shouldn't even go out. We don't leave home without it. We don't need to go out without the Holy Spirit moving and manifesting himself in our, in our lives. And then the last confirmed the gospel, Hebrews 2 and 4. What if the churches just in Durham got the messages confirmed by the gifts? What do you think would happen? You'd be busier than picnic down here. You, you just, cars would be parked all over everywhere if people would dare to, to preach the message and then see the manifestation take place. Confirm the gospel. Spiritual gifts turn you from being a spectator into a participator in your Christian life. Next Wednesday, I want to talk about, Lord willing, the contrast between tongues and prophecy. Listen, listen, listen. I'm closing. There is a lot of confusion when it comes to prophecy. Paul Paino and, and, and interpretation. There's a lot of confusion when it comes to tongues. Paul Paino pastored a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He pastored, at that time, a mega church. It, would, it was 3,000, 4,000 people. And he had the gifts of the Spirit operating in his church. But if anyone wanted, and you can say, I disagree with that, that's okay. You know, if anyone wanted to prophesy in his church, if there was a word to come forth or a tongue and interpretation of tongue, you were to see him. Tell him what it was. Somebody might say, well, I don't know. I, I, just, bur- I just blurted it out and it was gone. Well, then... Why do we give it? Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. It's important. If, if, if God is speaking, he says, write it down and make it plain. We're to understand. We're to know what God is saying. And it's to be heard. God, if God's going to speak, it's to be heard clearly. He says, write it plainly. 
so people can understand it. Where they would go to Paul Paino and say, Pastor Paino, here's what God is laying on my heart. And if it, if it, uh, what's the word I'm looking? If it corresponds, there's another word with him. If, if it connected, confirmed, that's a good one. If, if he felt like it was of the Lord, he'd say, great. And he would take that person on the platform the next Sunday. They would get behind the microphone so you could hear them. You're not understanding a word I'm saying. It's not doing you one bit of good. Now, don't you get mad at me. I'm telling you the truth. Believe it. He would take that person to the microphone and they would take the microphone and they would speak out and it would edify the whole church. Edify the whole church. And that's why God wants us, that's what he wants us to do, is to edify the whole church. Edify. Any questions while we wait for just a moment before we pray? Feel free to ask a question. Make a brief comment. Yeah. It's to be judged. And that's not being harsh. That's not being mean. That's not being judgmental. God says it to be judge. But then when you begin to talk like that and you say, well, people are going to be reluctant. They're going to be fearful. No, we shouldn't. We should be obedient to God and say, hey, if maybe I blew it. And if we, if we did blow it, go on down the road. Don't get offended and just say, next time we're going to give another message and this is probably going to be right on. So, but there is a difference between tongues that you speak in tongues during your private worship and tongues that's to be interpreted. I, I just, we've been in church services all of our life where people would speak in tongues. Now, anytime, this is a good measuring stick. Anytime you are doing something in public, there's a big difference between in public and in private. But anytime a person is doing something in public that draws attention to themselves. And I, I, I'm not talking about a word of, that's coming forth in people. Just listen. Just listening to that. I'm, because I have been in church service where people were speaking in tongues, not, not uh, disturbingly, but speaking in tongues. And then all of a sudden, God wanted to speak something to the congregation. And a, an individual began to speak in tongues. You could tell it just like that. And everyone else would die down, basically. Most everyone else would just hush. And then that person would speak forth. And then... Uh, the word of God. Once that person spoke forth in tongues, then he, she, or someone else would interpret that. And it was powerful. Powerful. And that's what God wants for this church. And I want to see that. I want to see the great manifestation of the spirit of God. Father, we love you this evening. We thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to teach this message. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the revelation, the inspiration, and the power. And God, as we have shared, broken the bread of life, I pray that it would be inspiring. 
I pray, dear God, that it would inspire us to desire the best gift. And I pray that we would allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and and that he, he, he might be manifested in our lives. That it might confirm the gospel. That it might lift up someone that's down. That it might bind up some broken heart. That it might speak peace and a revelation to someone that really is in this standing. Dear God, at a crossroad in their life and they don't know which way to go. And yet, dear God, you can just confirm, not direct, but affirm and confirm in their life. This is what that they're to do. God, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the people that are here tonight. They know the worth of prayer. They know how the manifestation of the spirit needs to work. And I pray that you'd help us to understand it even better, more clarity. Give us more clarity about it and bless. I pray, dear God, that now as we come to pray, that we would desire the best gift for the manifestation, not only in our life, but in this church.